want to thank you, Wells Trio, so much. As they were singing that, I couldn't help but think about Brother Jet's message this morning about all the different voices. Because my goodness, young people, you have so many voices telling you all these other remedies. That you, you, need, you need this drug, or you need this prescription, or, or you need this app, or you need this popularity, or you need this coolness factor. And you're going to have all these voices, Brother Jet talked about, telling you, okay, here's, here's the solution to your loneliness. Here's the solution to your boredom. Here's the solution to, to you having no purpose or fulfillment in your life. And, and I appreciate the Wells Trio reminding us there's a remedy that's a lot more fulfilling than any of those voices. And I hope that you'll really pay attention to the right voices as you're being challenged to at, at YouthCon uh, this particular week. I just want to mention a couple of things here. One about Heartland. I was thinking about this earlier today. I didn't get to go to Heartland and I got to be involved. I got to be here the day Brother Davidson was talking about with the tent was here. And, um, but, but one of the things that's been a blessing to me is I have two sons and a daughter. And all of them went to Heartland. The last one graduated this last May. And what occurred to me today was you know, Lisa and I tried to be the best parents that we could be, but we were definitely imperfect parents. And there are things that I wish I would have done better and could have done better. And yet what was fascinating is as they came to Heartland, God used Heartland to fill in the gaps that Lisa and I left. And God used men and women in this place to help do things in them that their parents didn't finish or maybe didn't do as good as, as we wanted to do. And I want to tell you something, kids. Heartland is not a perfect school, but it's a perfect school for you to develop in. And, and maybe you come from an imperfect home and your parents aren't everything you want them to be. God can use some other people to supplement that. And I can just give you a personal testimony. I'm so thankful, so thankful for the men and women at Heartland Baptist Bible College that continued the work that Lisa and I begged God to do and filled in for the things that we wish that we could have done better. And yet God somehow seen fit to use our kids and we're thankful for that and we have we owe so much gratitude to Heartland Baptist Bible College for that. Please consider that when you're trying to figure out what to do when you get out of high school and, and give Heartland give Heartland an opportunity if, if the Lord would give you the freedom to help continue your growth and your development so that God could use you in, in ways mightier than you could ever imagine. And then I uh, Brother Davison's here tonight. I had the privilege of going to work for him at age 19 at the church that I pastor now, and one of the one of the greatest gifts that God gave to me. But I, I saw him and I thought, you know, he always, not always, but sometimes has some pretty good message titles. And I'm not too good at message titles. So I came up with one for tomorrow morning's message. So I don't want to I don't want to mess up the invitation at the end. So here's the Lord willing, here's the message title for tomorrow morning. Are you ready for this? Inspired by his example of such wonderful message titles, it would be, What to Do with Pink and Blue, Trucks and Dolls, and Dresses Too. <laughs> Did you catch that? All right, there, there has been applause for a lot lesser things in this service tonight. <laughs> Thank you. Now, you don't have to applaud this time, but I, I, worked, I worked hard on that while we were sitting down there. What to do with pink and blue, trucks and dolls, and dresses too. 
Or are those things in the, okay, go ahead, yeah, go ahead, yeah. I, I cannot wait to tell Brother Jet that a 60-year-old got applause, and he didn't get any applause today that I remember. I'm, I can't wait to tell him about that. But in, in light of the gender series, that's what we're going to deal with tomorrow in part. And there are a lot of things that we will not be able to trace directly to the Bible that we talk about maybe as masculinity or femininity. What do we do with those things? Do we toss them? Do we keep them? What's their place? And I want to deal with that some in the morning and and choosing a a morning message for that instead of an evening message. And then one other thing. I know that this is not a typical YouthCon message. If Brother Gaddis would have said, just come preach YouthCon, then I I would not have chosen gender messages. They're hard to give invitations to. It's hard to, to get you to really grasp what is it that I'm supposed to do specifically because it, it's, a, it's a different type of topic, but it is so absolutely essential at your stage in life and your point and time in America's history. And so uh, many of you have, have already mentioned how God has used it, and I hope that the rest of you will allow that to happen, and I, I appreciate that and, and trust the Lord can do just that. So do not stand, but turn to Genesis chapter 1 and Romans chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and Romans chapter 1. In a moment we're going to rehearse, or I'm going to review the illustration that I gave you last night. I'm hoping that that can really settle into your mind and in your thinking so that as you think through gender when you go home, then you have a, an illustration that you can maybe put in, into place in your own thinking and, and find your place along that spectrum of Genesis 1 versus Romans 1. So let's start in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1, let's notice again in verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, and it continues, male and female created he them. Now go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And we'll find this process that can take place among men in a culture, community, a nation, an era, a period of time. It's a process that begins with not viewing God in in His rightful place, not seeing Him as God, and, and losing sight of Him being the Creator, and beginning to put in front of the Creator what the creature says is right. What the creature believes is is proper and and the teachings of evolution and not being thankful for God. And look at verse 23, which is so appropriate. These are people that profess themselves to be wise and they became fools. Remember the slide I showed you last night? All those gender identities, that's the result of them professing themselves to be wise. Look how foolish it's become. God said, I'm going to give you two genders. They're going to be one or the other. And all of these wise people have brought us to the point where there's over 80. And and, and it's confusion. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image 
made like to corruptible men, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly what that lie was, what, what truth of God that they changed into a lie. But in context here, one of the things that we at least cannot deny, we cannot reject, is what we read that God said, the truth is you're created in my image, I'm the creator, and I created you with either one of two genders. Well, something of, of God's truth, they changed into a lie, and they decided what the creature says is better than what the creator said. I don't know if that's just the gender aspect. There certainly could be plenty of things that are true. But he goes on and elaborates the gender part of God's truth in verse 26. For this cause God gave them up on the vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And you get to verse 28 and you begin to realize in some ways there's some element of finality with God that, that God says you have gone to such extremes to get rid of me and put yourself before me. And he says in verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient. And then continues with the list of many other things that are involved whenever you turn godless and you turn your back on God. So I'm going to to do this illustration again. And I, I used my oldest son last night. I'm going to use younger son tonight. Samuel, if you and Brielle would come. And uh, just want to rehearse how we see this, if you could kind of put a perspective on this. Last night we, we talked about the, the Titanic and, and the view of gender that was there. Then we talked about the Estonia. And, and in many ways I think we could kind of lay that over these positions here. So uh, Samuel, if you'll go to Genesis 1 there. Brielle, if you'll go to that, that black um, mic box right there. Okay. And so we're going to call this Genesis 1. Get that in your mind. This is Genesis 1. And in many ways, this was the time of the Titanic where at least the idea of women and children first was when men valued the role of the woman simply because of the gender. Not because any man said, okay, I know that woman. She deserves my place on the lifeboat because she's worthy. She has been, she's been active in her community. She loves God. They didn't know that. They simply gave up their place on lifeboats simply because she was a woman. By the way, ladies, there, there is no other plan that you're going to follow than God's plan to have that kind of value. No job, no career, no other goal out there that you think is going to make you fulfilled will it enable you to come anywhere close to the value that if you do it God's way that is placed upon you. So that this would be like the, the Titanic. This is Genesis 1 where we, we know there is male and there is female. There is the spirit of masculinity. There's the spirit of femininity that we have. All right, and, then, and then we defined this middle possession. Just stay right where you're at. But this middle position we defined as Romans 1. 
So Genesis 1 is very clear in, in the gender. There's male and there's female. God established it that way. Both of them reflect His image that we're going to get into here in a moment. But when you get to Romans chapter 1, then you find out that gender has become irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Man, man, woman, woman, it doesn't matter. We want to do it the way the creature wants to do it. If I feel like loving a man, I'm not trying to be crude, but if I feel like loving a man and I'm a man, that's my business. That's not the Creator's business. And if I feel a, a little bit more at ease with another woman, then, then that's, a woman would say that, then, then that would be, I, I want to put what I want before what the Creator wants. And, and therefore, gender becomes completely interchangeable, and the creature gets to decide everything about gender, even if they want to come up with a gender called tum-tum. And we had one guy back here raise his hand last night and said he's tum-tum, so we, we, you've got to be careful of guys like that. All right, so, and, and all the other things that came up, it's like, how on earth can you, can you make up this stuff? God did us so many great favors, if that's, that's an understatement. By saying, let, let me just simplify it for you. You're going to be able to live out my image and you're going to do it as male or female. And then he gave us a lot more to go off of. So, so the, the, real, the, the real strength of the illustration is when I asked you to watch them go from Genesis 1 to Romans 1. All right, And so, so you were here last night, so you already know where I'm headed. That they're going to get from there to here in just a moment. And it's not going to be one giant leap. It's going to be all these small steps. In fact, I don't know if you noticed it last night, but the steps were, were different. Male steps are different than female steps. And it's, it's kind of like the, the male steps, they were kind of like masculine steps, and the female steps, they were feminine steps. And so I, I hope Samuel remembers that as he steps here in a little bit, or he's going to ruin it all. But he's, he's going to make these steps. And I, I want you to notice that and, and have in mind, the teenager, have in mind, what are some of those steps? What were those that have led us as a country to where gender has become all up to the creature and not up to the creator? So, all right, y'all just go from Genesis 1 to Romans 1. You know, when it comes to America's history, you know, we're talking, what, 200 and... 60, 250 years, something like that, whatever the, the time frame is. So they just covered 250 years of, of history. And, and maybe one of these first steps might have taken 70 years or 80 years for it to take place. The next step might not have taken quite so long. Now, I want you to think about something, young people. The, the, the idea of a step is that even though this is the distance that it takes to get from Genesis 1 to Romans 1, a step is, is just like that, and it doesn't really appear that dangerous. It's just a step. And, and you don't even really, if you're not watching real close, you don't even notice a whole lot of movement. Because if in 70 years you've only gone from here to here, well, who, who's, who's going to be concerned about that? That's no big deal. And if somebody happens to say, well, that step could be a big deal, people are going to laugh at them a lot of times and say, you're crazy. It's not a big deal. It's just a small step. But then the next generation takes that step, and they take it a further step. And the next one takes it a further step. And in fact, it gets easier to take steps until before long, you get to be here, and you're at a point where it doesn't take very many years at all 
to take another two or three steps, which is where we are at as a nation. So the, the challenge is that a lot of these steps, maybe there were some people, thankfully, back then who were saying, I don't think this is going to be good for us. And a lot of people would laugh at them. In fact, the same thing is happening today that uh, this is not that big of a deal. Why, why, are you, why are you so concerned about that? And yet it is a step that turns into a bigger step and a bigger step and is leading us in a particular place. And it may seem small and inconsequential, but it's not. That's the way that Satan can deceive you into making big changes. If he can just get you to make a little step that you're not concerned about and you think that your youth director or your pastor is so nuts for even talking about, what do you, what do you, that's not a big deal. And, and, and Satan can get you to take some little steps and little steps until you've, you've gone a lot further. Now go back to Genesis 1 if you would real quick and then I'll turn you all loose here. So if this is Genesis 1 where they're at, and, and this is Romans 1, where it becomes, it becomes zero, then how do we know what these steps are? How, how do we decide? Who gets to decide? Well, the, there, there's not, a, there's not a, a, a one, two, three, four, five kind of list that the Bible gives us, but if you want to try to figure out, all right, what, what did God define as masculinity, and what did God define as femininity, then we have to go to the only source that we have for absolute truth, and that is the Bible. And if you read through the Scripture, I believe you would come to pretty much the same conclusion that I have in reading through the Scripture, that there appear to be about five areas that the Scripture talks about the difference between a man and the difference between a woman. The first one of those would be the home. So you're talking about the difference in a, that Scripture talks about a husband and a wife and their different roles, or a father and a mother, and their different roles. Husband and wife, both essentially equally important in that marriage, but they have different roles. Same value, but different roles. And, and father and mother, they have different roles as well, and, and they carry out those roles in different ways with different attributes, and, and yet the home would be one of those places. The second would be the domain of work. And I know some of this isn't, isn't popular, and, and don't read into it things that I have not said, but it's pretty clear that a, a man is supposed to take responsibility for providing for his family. That's his responsibility God has given him. He's equipped him to bear that pressure, to, to bear up under that, and to, and to take that responsibility. And it's not that a woman doesn't work. And in fact, it's not even that a woman cannot work outside a home. But it is that we have, we have two extremely important entities that God gave us. He gave us a home, and he gave us a church, and they're both essential. And somebody has to really focus on each one of those. And God said, listen, for the home, I really want a woman to be able to make that her priority. If she does something else, that's great, but a home needs to be a priority to her. That's her primary domain. Now, let me remind you, Brother Jet told you, there's a lot of voices out there, and some of you, even in your thinking right now, you're hearing some other voices and thinking, oh, he's crazy. That's old-fashioned stuff. It is. It's about 2,000 years old or, or older in, in that case. So, so the domain of work would be second. Third would be the church. There are roles for men and their roles for women in the church. And there are some differences between those. Fourth would be the spirit. There's a spirit of masculinity that's different than the spirit of femininity. And, and God, God equips both of them to have different, if I could call them inclinations, 
There would be some similarities, but there are inclinations that a man would have that a woman would not have naturally anyway by God's design. And there's inclinations a woman would have that a man would not have by God's design. And we can blur those. And then the fifth would be some element of appearance that God designed us to to look different, a man versus a woman. And he gives us the opportunity to, to carry out that and express it even in our dress, with our hair, something along those lines. So all five of those domains. So what we know is that in order for a man to blur from 100%, then in one of these areas, he's going to end up stepping back. Now, the same turn that way if you would. And so let, let's say that a, a man is lazy and he, he can't keep a job or he doesn't want to provide for his family or, or he wants to sit on the couch and play video games, be a couch potato and expects his wife to make a, a lot of the money, then what he's doing is he's, he's shying away from his responsibility and he ends up taking a step back in, in one of those areas. Or, or maybe it's a man at church. And, and he's, he doesn't want to take the responsibility to have his family in church. Or maybe it's a young man in, in the youth group and he, he, he doesn't want to take responsibility for, for being a help and taking initiative and, and having some strength and, and being strong. And he takes a step back in, in that area. Or, or, or maybe he, he just kind of feels soft and he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't really possess the spirit of masculinity and, and he just wants to have things kind of easy. And he, he kind of feels like, no, I'm, I don't really feel like a, a man. That's not really what I'm supposed to be. And he takes a step back. And, and before long, he's, he's taken steps. And, and now he's maybe at 60% or 70%. And where would lost people go now to see what biblical masculinity looks like when so many men have stepped back? And then we talked about what the woman does is... is is she is looking this direction, Brielle, turn this direction here if you would. She's looking this direction and she's looking at the man and, and she's not saying, I, I want to get over here into, into this zero gender. I, I want to be in, in the area of homosexuality. I'm trying to get us to Romans 1. She's not thinking that. She's looking at the man and she says, I want his authority. I want his pay. I want his responsibility. I, I, want, I, I want the kind of spirit that he gets to have because I will really have some power if I have that. And she begins to desire that, and then she takes a step. And maybe she decides, man, this, this home is boring. I, I want to have, I, I, could, I could really be used for something special if they'll let me loose in that career. And, or, or I could, you know, I, I could, if, if they would let me teach those men at church, they'll let me be the co-pastor, then I, I, could, really, I could really preach some messages. And then she takes a step. And, and she decides she wants to take on the spirit of masculinity. And, and before long, if, if both of you go ahead and keep coming, then every one of these end up being steps. And we end up in, in Romans chapter 1. And those are the areas that we particularly will find ourselves blurring in. Thank you all very much for helping in that. Now, let me remind you of, of something. I, I love the fact that Brother Gaddis chose the theme that he did from Psalm 33.8. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. That's a great theme. There is nothing greater than you would, that you could do with your life than do what Jesus Christ said in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what He's talking about, stand in awe of Him. How do they stand in awe of a God they can't even see? 
Well, because He created people in His image. And Jesus said, you can live your life in such a way that they see you and they think of Him. There's there's nobody greater for you to to point to. I I mean, all of us know what it is to stand in awe of somebody that we really think does good at something. And and, and we are are amazed that they're so good at what they do. And and yet, as a a believer in Jesus Christ, we have the responsibility, we have the, the privilege of living our lives in such a way that people look at us and they see Him and they stand in awe of Him. There's nobody greater for us to point to. But they have to be able to see Him. And we have this opportunity to stand in awe of the one who created us and created them. And how are people going to do that? Because they have the privilege, they have the opportunity to be around a believer who says, I'm going to live the image of God. But God said you're going to live that image through your gender. You're going to have to live it as a man. Or you're going to have to live it as a woman. And you have the opportunity to do that very thing. Ladies, you bear the image of God. You, you might think, well, I, I bear it in a lesser way. Not according to the Bible. I, I don't know how to completely prove this, but because of the way the, the verse in, in Genesis 1 is written, it, it appears that men and women bear the image of God equally, but we see different attributes about them, and it seems in some ways that they bear those attributes differently. Maybe there's certain characteristics of God that God enabled that a, that a lady, when, she is, when she's bearing the image of God, she gives us an image of maybe some of the compassion or the care that God has exercised, and, and maybe some of the tenderness that, that it sounds like we could tell that Jesus had at times when He would weep over the, the people that He loved, and He saw them, and He wanted to pull them in as a, as a, a healer and he, he wanted to care for them. And you bear the image of God in the gender that you were born. And, and ladies, you do not bear it insufficiently just because you think, well, I'm a woman and God is referred to as a man. He gives you the opportunity to bear His image equally that a man does, just not in the same way. And men doing the same. And once you begin to tamper with that gender, you begin to lose the most fundamental fact about you, that you bear the image of God. Now, what is masculinity and femininity? I want to I deal with that a little bit tonight, and we'll flesh it out a little bit more in the morning. So go back to Genesis 1. I want you to just notice a few things that we get from the very beginning, That's something that we learn about what masculinity and femininity would be. Look at verse 28 of Genesis 1. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. That's the mandate that God gave to mankind. And he had just, he had just said He created them male and female in His own image, and it says that He blessed them in verse 28. And then He gives them these instructions, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. And then... What becomes apparent is he broke these responsibilities. He kind of spread them out over the two genders. Because man alone, meaning male alone, could not multiply and be fruitful and replenish the earth if it comes to more people. So he gave two genders that worked together to accomplish what it is that he wanted to accomplish. 
And, and man alone couldn't do it. The woman alone could not do it. He provided two genders so that they could mix at times, but their, but their inclination would be towards their own gender, and one would be better at certain parts of God's mandate. Others would be better at other parts of God's mandate, whether physically, whether emotionally, even spiritually in a sense. And so when it comes to masculinity, we find out that God put Adam in the garden and he told him to dress it and to cultivate it. He said, I want you to take care of this garden. I want you to take whatever I've, what I've created and I want you to manage it. I want you to, to, to make it better, not in a sense improving on God's perfection, but to do the absolute best with it that he could. And then he gives Adam the law that, that was the one law Brother Jet talked about this morning that he told him, I want you to not partake of this particular tree. There's only the one law. Eve was not there yet. God gave that law to Adam. And he expected that when Eve came along that he would be sure that she would help, he would help her keep that law. So in many ways what we take is that masculinity involves accepting direction from God for achieving a, a worthy task and protecting the woman. There's just something about in a man in masculinity that wants to recognize, I want to accomplish something significant. I want to use my life to achieve something that would be worthy, to spend my time well, and, and to accomplish something that God would be pleased with, and to maybe lead in this endeavor, and, and not just spend my time spinning my wheels on all this other stuff that doesn't matter, but something about masculinity that wants to accomplish something that matters. God gave that to Adam in the first place, and then to protect the woman in that opportunity as well. In femininity, I want you to notice in chapter 2, Look at verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Now notice something about this. A lot of times we think, well, because he was alone, then this is all about loneliness. But God doesn't say, I'm just going to give him a woman to help him with his loneliness. I'm going to be a woman that will be a help suitable for what he's trying to accomplish. That, that she will complete him. She, she will not just take care of his loneliness. She will help him do what it is that God wants him to do. By the way, if, if Eve is helping Adam do what God told Adam to do, who is Eve really helping? She's helping God. She's helping accomplish what it is that God wants done. There's a, a company that has a, the company's called BASF. And I think they still have the slogan, BASF doesn't make the products you use, they make the products you use better. And I think of that as the role of the woman sometimes. She doesn't make a man, God did that. But she sure makes a man better. God gives the woman the opportunity to do that, that a man is not going to be as complete as he could be if God would give, if he does not have a woman to help him. So, I want to address here for a moment, the ladies are the ones oftentimes that fall for the lie. That, you mean my responsibility is to, is to complete somebody else? Because the word that usually comes up eventually is submission. Well, I'm at a disadvantage because I, you're a woman, you say, I'm at a disadvantage because I have to, I have to submit. I have to be in submission. 
And, and that, that makes me lesser. And, and the world, those voices will tell you that over and over and over. But remember, you bear the image of God and consider this. God really comes to us in, 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 in three ways, forms. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I want to remind you that God the Son was completely God. But He lived His life submitting to the will of His Father. Not doing His own will, but demonstrating submission to the will of another, even though He was God. It was not robbery for Him to be equal with God, but He decided, this is God, He's God. But He was able to say, listen, I'm going to make myself of no reputation, and I'm going to submit myself to what it takes to accomplish the Father's purpose, which was the redemption of man. And it might be, ladies, that God gives you an opportunity and you bearing His image through the aspect of submission to demonstrate some of the image of God in the form of, of God the Son, Jesus Christ, in being able to evidence what it is like to submit to the plan that God would have for your life. Now, man, let me just get into a few details for you, and then we'll cover masculinity again, and then we'll close for tonight. So on masculinity, a man's going to have worthy causes. Guys, don't waste your life. God's given you an inclination to spend your life on something that matters. Our, our young men are so eaten up with technology and video games and, and apps and cell phones. And, and, and they are eating your lunch because they, they cause you to, to waste so much time on things that are, are not deserving of your God-given design. And, and be careful that you, you, you decide that you're going to go through your teen years. Well, that's going to kind of see what would, would be good, what kind of would be fun, and what makes, seems to make me kind of fulfilled. No, you, God gave you the inclination to live a worthy life and, and begin to seek God about how you could live your life and accomplish something that matters, something that would create a legacy, something that would enable people to be better off with the Lord because of the things that you do instead of wasting it on, on so many trivial things that do not matter. A young man in masculinity will know how to work in order to accomplish his tasks. Young man, you need to have a work ethic. It's God's plan for masculinity. That you know how to, you know how to start a job and you know how to stay with it and you know how to stay with it when it is difficult. That you're going to know how to endure that you're going to know how to be tired and yet, and yet keep on going. You're going to know when you feel like, I don't have much strength left. But you, have, you realize, man, that this country has been won by battles that men that gave everything they had. People that have achieved a lot. And they were tired and they were weary and they were bleeding. But they found a way to keep going. That's the kind of men that God wants to raise up. And we can't, we can't skip a generation and not have men like that and expect to keep our country. Or to keep our families. Young men, it doesn't matter whether you have a, a big job or a small job. Learn to work hard. You're taking a step if you don't. Be willing to take initiative. Be willing to step out and say, I'll do that. And your youth group, your, your youth director says, hey, uh, help, help me set up some chairs. He'll, he'll be here a little bit early to, to help set up. Man, it ought to be young men that are saying, I'm, that's part of masculinity. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to take some initiative and do that. Men whose word means something. That when you say, youth director, I'll be there. I'll do this. Then you do it. And he can count on it. Because you're a man. And men need to learn to keep their word. 
You're, you're, you're thinking that these steps were, you know, were, were something else or, you know, something a lot, a lot stranger. No, it's stuff like keeping your word, learning to work hard. That's part of God's image and masculinity and what it takes for you to bear the image of God and the gender that you've been given. A man needs to know how to fight and a man needs to know how to walk away. I remember one time when our, our sons were growing up, we were building a house and, and we had a, um, a, a kind of a, a fence out there, a chain link fence, and, and it was old and it had some, some links that were kind of broken and so the chain links were, were bent inside and just waiting to tear open some flesh. And, and so um, Brother Daniel and Brother Samuel had, had taken a, an old door and had built it up on a, a couple pieces of wood. And it wasn't very sturdy at all, but they thought it was. And so they decided to see if they could break it down. And they wanted to see how strong it was. So, so we, were, we lived in a trailer house at the time. And, and I was over doing some work on the, on the house we were building. And, and uh, so these boys, were they, they were just jumping up and down inside this pen. And I mean, there, there's, this, there's these chain link wires all over the place and, and I saw Lisa out of the corner of my eye and she's standing at the door of the, of the trailer and she's watching the boys and I'm over here at the house and I'm watching them and I'm loving it. I'm thinking this door is going to collapse any minute because it's not going to sustain the, the weight of these two boys jumping up and down on it doing what, what boys do and, uh, and so then I, I catch her over there and I see her watching and she's not so entertained. And I, I just, I'm curious what, what's going to happen. And, man, they start jumping up and down. And I, I see them coming so close to ripping their arm open with, with, these, with these links. And, and, man, it didn't take very long at all. Before long, man, she just darts out that door. Boys, 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 you've got to stop that. You're going to get hurt. Now stop that and come in and get away from that chain link fence. And I thought, okay, we've got to have a lesson right here. So I went and got her and put my arm around her. I said, now listen, dear, I might be out preaching one day and some night and somebody decides to break into this house and these boys need to learn how to pick up that baseball bat and try to beat the living daylights out of them before they get to you and their sister and they might have to bleed a little bit and get up and still beat the living daylights out of whoever that is. We got we to let them learn to bleed. Got to let them learn to hurt. Guys, you can't freak out every time you see blood. It's okay for the girls to do that. We'll get to that part in femininity. That's not good for a guy. You've you got to learn to fight. You've got to learn to last. Your family needs that. You'll be in a situation one day where you have to do that. A man knows how to, needs to know how to treat a lady, not use her. Know how to treat her where she can feel cherished, not used. And to know there's a man around because he knows how to treat her. Listen, guys, if every man's not going to be as strong as another, it, it, part of masculinity is not that you've got to have a particular build, but you have to have some courage, you have to have some fight in you, regardless of your build. You can be masculine, and God can use you to bear His image in a way that will be a help to your family or to whatever cause you're a part of. And then, and then femininity. Ladies, you have to be willing to be a completer. You have to be willing to say, I, I'm going to help somebody. You may or may not get married, but you can be a completer where you can say, you know, that, that's how God designed me as to whatever I'm involved in, I can make them better. And God has enabled you to do that. You know what He gives you the opportunity to do? He, might, he gives man an opportunity to actually bring about change through authority, but He gives woman an opportunity to bring about change through influence. 
And, and you, you really sell yourself short when you decide, I can only use authority to accomplish something. No, God gives you an influence and he gives you a spirit that has an opportunity to influence in ways that authority can never do. Your children one day are going to leave your home and you're going to have no authority over them, but you're going to sure hope you have some influence. And God gives a gift to a woman to where she can use influence in a way that authority will never be able to accomplish ultimately. When it comes to femininity, the girl ought not be the loudest one in the room trying to get all the attention to herself. There, there's something about the, being a completer and, and being able to be willing to say, I, I want to have a meek and quiet spirit because I want to use that to some great good. And, and so she's not going to be the one that is just drawing all the attention to herself. Most youth groups have a young lady like that. And you ought not be the one. She wants to help accomplish worthy causes. She doesn't possess an overwhelming sense of competition because God wants her to be a completer. She's not the aggressor. And she's not all about vanity on the outside. She wants to look nice, but she doesn't want to be so much about the outside that the inside empties out. Listen, young people, we're going to complete some of that in the morning. But our country needs to see our God. They need to stand in awe of Him. And they will see Him most clearly when you live out that image in the gender that God gave you. Would you... Be willing tonight to ask, your, ask yourself, ask the Lord, Lord, where am I at on this spectrum when it comes to masculinity for you young men? Where am I at on this spectrum when it comes to you young ladies? How many young people come into your youth group and have a chance to see God in you because of the gender that you possess? Guys, are you too busy being cool to be a man? You too interested in being the youth comedian to have an opportunity to show the rest of the other young men in your youth group, we have some men. I imagine there's some young ladies here who would love to know we have some young men in our youth group who bear the image of God. And then young ladies, the, the young men need to know it's not just beauty queens. We, we, we have some young ladies who demonstrate some of the attributes of God that they can do even better than we can. They need to know, young ladies, that there's some that are like that. Where are you at in this process? I know it's hard to give an invitation to, but would you give a consideration to letting the Lord, letting the Lord make it very clear to you where you're at on the spectrum, what direction you're going as a man. You're going towards Genesis 1. You're going towards Romans 1. You're leading your youth group towards Romans 1, or you're leading your youth group towards Genesis 1. Let's stand together, every head bowed.